Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast, uh, our season preview podcast. And as always, I am your host for this episode, Jake Mastriani. And along with me is Alan Carpenter. Good evening. And Fred Owens. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And guys, we finally have baseball back. I'm sitting here watching it on my screen. It's, it's actually happening. Um, and the, the Nationals are losing, so that's always great to see as well. Uh, but we got baseball back. I, I kind of never thought we'd actually get here uh even in the last couple of weeks i was hesitant to say anything for fear of jinxing it or something falling apart and, and even today before the nationals and yankees started playing soto tested positive and um now i'm watching the game and there's lightning going off in the background so mother mother nature doesn't even want baseball to happen this year but it is happening we got a game um Alan, what are, what are your thoughts on the season finally being here it is like a relief. I, yeah, I, I too was very skeptical for a while that I was going to get this far. And the notion that, that we're actually here and there's rosters have been exchanged and we've, we've got a fairly, really good looking lineup for the Atlanta Braves is uh, also exciting. So, so far, so good. We'll see how long it lasts. Fred, how excited are you for this uh, baseball season to finally get going? Well, I, I'm really really happy with the Braves lineup now that Matt Adams is inserted in there and I can't explain how happy I am not to have to watch more reruns. <laughs> I, I have just binge watched everything that I could possibly put up with and yeah, this thing with Soto today and, and God bless him. I hope he's well, I, you know, I hope it's a false positive and I hope he comes back and plays because I really want to see the best players play. Uh, but I, I, you have to wonder what happens with, Okay, let's let let's talk, what about Toronto? They don't have a ballpark yet. Okay, no. uh, what if three three more Nationals test positive tomorrow? What happens if you get a cluster in a team, and what do they do about that? And I don't know. Maybe they have a plan B for that. I don't think so. But I'm you know I I don't want it to happen. But I think that it, there's quite there's quite a possibility if you get somebody in one of these hot spots in Florida for example, and not picking on Florida or here in Texas or California, and you get two or three guys in the team, what happens then? You know, and what if it's, what if it's Bellinger, Betts, and uh, Bueller that are, that are positive all of a sudden, what happens then to the Dodger? What happens then to the, to the season? There's a knock on effect, a ripple effect, uh, that, uh, that makes this whole thing very problematic. Uh, I'm like, I'm still skeptical. I, I guess I'm a pessimist at heart, uh, but I, I'm glad to see him back and playing. I just wish I didn't have to listen to A-Rod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's definitely something I, I could do without, but I, I am glad that baseball's back. But like you said, the, the, the pessimist in me and just what we've all gone through in 2020 already, um, 
Yeah, this thing could fall apart quickly, but can enjoy it while it lasts. Who knows if it'll actually end, if we'll get through the entire season. You know, I don't know, but uh, after how long we've been without baseball, I, I thought they, I think they said it was like 246 days or somewhere around there since uh, the World Series ended. You know, I'm going to enjoy each day that we have uh, baseball, and it's going to make me appreciate it even more because, again, who knows, this could all – fall apart at, at any point and the season could come to an end and, and i think once it, if it does that then i think that's it um but let's uh let's hope that doesn't happen and like i said let's just try to enjoy each day while we can enjoy all the braves baseball that we get to see because uh, we've been without it for, for far too long um so I, i'm excited um see as much of it as i can Let's move along because there was some big news today on opening day about expanded postseason. And this is something that had been discussed during the labor negotiations um, throughout the spring and summer. Uh, and had they, the two sides, MLB and the MLBPA, actually come to an agreement, we were going to see expanded postseason. But they didn't come to an agreement, and so those plans kind of went to the side. And I always thought they would resurface. I didn't think it would come up till the day before, which obviously they've probably been talking about it uh, longer than that. But that's when it was just first reported. But uh, it sounds like this really did all come together kind of sudden here. Uh, and they, they apparently do have an agreement. I have not seen if if the if the MLB has agreed to it yet. I know the, the union, the MLB union um, proposed the idea and was agreement on it. Um, and so this is. The proposal is for a 16-team postseason. And, uh, Fred, I'll, I'll go to you first because I, I kind of already know your opinion on it. Uh, but what are what are your thoughts on the expanded postseason for the 2020 season? Well, they were always going to try to do this. There are a couple of reasons for doing this. First of all, there's money involved. The, the uh, MLB got paid by the networks for the season, apparently, or at least got part of it. And they're going to give the, the, according to Bob Nightingale, for what that's worth, uh, the players have been guaranteed an extra, a, a minimum $50 million into the player pool uh, uh, that, from, from this extra, get from these extra games. So they're going to get a minimum of $50 million in the player pool. It could be more, uh, John Hyman said, with gate money. Uh huh, sure. So, uh, but they're going to get a minimum of $50 million. bucks. Nightingale piped in and said, uh, the remainder of the profits from the postseason are going to be returned to the networks for the games that they did not get to get to um, uh, televised. So there was reason for them to do this. They have they have to they were trying to make nice with the networks for this, and they wanted to make get some more money in. And of course, MLB is going to get money out of that player pool too. So there's going to be money going coming into it. Um, I you know frankly what. They're going to play so many games in such a short time that they, they might as well have, have, I said on Twitter earlier, they might as well have had a little knockout tournament set up like the College World Series and just played it down like that. Uh, I even heard Casey Stern say they should have had the West and the East go into tournaments and bring it down and just be the East against the West. Anything to get baseball on the screen and make money out of the deal, I understand that. My problem with this is that, uh, you know, the DH was an experiment when it was first started. And it's still here. And if uh, if MLB and the MLBPA like this postseason thing, it's going to stick around. You can you can it's I'll bet you marbles chalk or string and give you Vegas odds on that. It, it it's it's going to happen if if they like it. If it works, it's here to stay. And that bothers me because it makes it just the season becomes less and less and less important. And we've become more of a more of a t- postseason 
wait for the postseason and then then watch the game kind of uh, as sport. And I really hate that. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree with that point there. It's it's why I don't really like the NBA or, or even the, the NFL. The NFL is a little bit better, but the NBA and NHL especially, there's I mean, there's really no point in watching the regular season because over half the league makes the, the postseason. Now, the, the, the playoffs can be fun, but I mean, you're you're essentially throwing away, you know, 80 game season or whatever. So I, I don't like expanded postseason long term, but I think for the 2020 season, it had to happen um, and makes a lot of sense to happen simply because it's just 60 games, you know, a lot of. A lot of unknowns could happen in 60 games. You know, everybody talks about the Nationals wouldn't have even made the postseason last year through 60 games. Um, and the and the bigger than that, the, the big thing for me is that the schedules are so uneven. It, it's so unfair that, that good teams in the East are going to get left out uh, because the teams in the West happen to face lesser opponents or, or even in the Central. And that's just not fair either. So I think they had to expand the postseason for this year. I hope it's only for this year, but you know, I do have my worries like like Fred said that this is something that could stick and I think that would be bad for, for baseball long term. Maybe not for money wise, because I think they'll they'll make all that money up in the postseason. But as a the longtime fan of the game, I'd hate to see, you know, the regular season kind of thrown away like that. Somebody who loves the journey of a hundred and sixty two game season you know, I'd hate to see that kind of washed away. And just to give you a little bit more information, it, I'm reading an article here that says both sides have approved uh, the expanded postseason um, deal. And the first round will be eight best of three wild card series. And I don't love best of three wild card series because uh, that's really, really not a, a big sample size. But um, you pretty much got to do that to kind of speed things up. Uh, the higher C will have the home field throughout the entire best of three series. Um, so, Alan, what are your what are your thoughts on this expanded postseason? Well, I don't have a lot of new information to impart or new opinions to impart because you guys have hit all the the very excellent points involved. I suppose if I were going to expand it, I would go to something on the order of twelve teams, perhaps, but. The trouble with getting numbers that aren't like factors of two is that you end up with somebody getting a buy. And I'm, I've never been a fan of anybody getting a buy during a, a playoff series. So to some extent, I'm okay with the 16. To some extent, I'm not okay with the 16. If we're headed to 32 teams, and I think that's inevitable, then more playoff teams is probably a good idea. I don't know that I would go to half the field, though, and that's that's where we would be at in a 32-team league. What I think I understand, and yet our timing is good here because the announcement was only made about an hour before we started recording this, but what I understand is that it's going to be the uh, first and second place teams of every division that gets you 12 and then two more wild cards from each league. And in every round, if you've got the better record, you're going to host the games. Now, whether it's going to remain home teams only for each series is, is another question. Uh, certainly they're doing that this year because of travel considerations and trying not to travel as much. I don't know. I didn't hear anything about a division winner getting to choose an opponent like was being talked about at one point. That is going to happen. They're going to have a television show. Oh, yeah, goody. I did hear that. <laughs> 
All right. So another way to make money. So another way to make money. Another way to to get sponsorships involved. ESPN's already sent something to my inbox that says they're going to get to televise most of those uh, uh, first round names uh, as well. So uh, it's it's at least a way to avoid problems like what the Nationals have upon them right now. Uh, if you know, they end up like we suggested, maybe losing Soto plus uh, two or three other players testing positive in his wake, uh, they're going to be uh, short-manned for a while. And the idea of expanding the playoffs this year can allow them to at least the chance to recover and, and still make the playoffs. If they're down and, and lose several games in a row to start this season, they're going to be done otherwise. Because uh, with, with just the regular number of uh, playoff teams, they're going to have their backs against the wall. So this at least allows teams to survive some bad luck or shenanigans or anything else uh, that may be unfair with the schedule and still be able to make the playoffs. So for that reason, I, I'm in favor of this, but it's also for that reason that I, I'm with Fred. I like to have the integrity of, of having a regular season that's meaningful, and therefore 12 teams would be plenty for me. Uh, 16 seems excessive. But I'll tell you this much. When we get around to the trade deadline, it's going to be a free-for-all. Yeah, no, I think so as well. I mean, it'll be, it'll be neat. Hopefully this will get somebody like Mike Trout in the playoffs and we'll get to see, um, you know, him on a big stage and, and hopefully some other teams that we may not have thought had a, a chance. Um, but yeah, that's the big, big news of the day. And I, I think that's going to be interesting to watch this year. The other big news uh, coming out today uh, was the Braves uh, roster. They announced their initial 30 man active roster for the regular season. I won't go down that list. I do have it um, pulled up here, but Alan, I'll, I'll go back to you. Any, any other or any, um, anything stand out to you from the, the active roster? Any surprises to you? The fact that Will Smith has still not been able to get a uh, negative test for COVID-19, or at least two consecutive ones, despite not being uh, symptomatic uh, for the uh, for the illness. <laughs> and it's been three weeks. We and the can't fact seem that Freddie got that two healthy. positive tests in like <laughs> a couple of he was days. At de- <laughs> he was at death's door, had a hundred and four yeah. and a half temperature, then he comes back in and starts raking. You know, yeah. <laughs> go figure. He's uh, not human. But that tells you. Yeah. yeah Apparently not. That tells you how weird this virus is and how weird it is that, uh, you know, we, we get reactions to it that are just so different. So who knows when he'll be able to get back. But uh, as a result, uh, uh, AJ Mitcher's contract was uh, was selected uh, to bring him back up today. Tyler Matzek got brought into the roster as well, and I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have been there if Will Smith had been. So uh, you, you've got a couple of surprises there. The the one thing that I am a little surprised is at is that we did not have a third catcher among the 30. Uh, it's it's Tyler Flowers and Travis Darno exclusively right now at least. And clearly we can add Alex Jackson or somebody else at, at the appropriate time if it becomes necessary. But I did expect that uh, we're going to have a third catcher right away. And that, so that does surprise me a little bit. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say the Braves have a left-handed problem (laughs) or maybe it's not a problem, but 
You know, I look at the the lefties in the bullpen. You you look at guys like Dayton and, and Matzik, and I know Matzik had, had a good spring training. It was probably one to make the roster, but Dayton was terrible in spring training. He was terrible what I saw in summer camp. I really didn't think he deserved a roster spot. You look at A.J. Minter on there. You know, those aren't really dependable lefties, and, and you know, or at least I don't view them that way. And then, you know, offensively, they had to bring in, you know, Matt Adams, you know, at the last hour to get the uh, lefty bat in there, they they really just seem to be struggling left-handed all all the way around, and that's what stands out to me. Uh, um, I was really surprised Dayton made the the team and or the roster, and I think that just really tells you how desperate they are for left-handed pitching, specifically out of the the bullpen. Fred, anything stick out to you? Well, I think you made two two really good points there. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not even sure why Dayton's on, on any on a team. I don't think he's very good. Yeah. I, I I just don't think he's a good pitcher. Good. I, well, let me put this: anybody who gets to the major league is good. I don't think he's good enough to be a, a dependable part of a winning team. He's a guy that you're going to have on team that's going to come in there and pitch. Um, you know, uh, you'd say, look, this is the Pirates kind of guy. I mean, uh, no one, no. No offense to Pirates fans out there, but this is the kind of guy that the Pirates end up with. Uh, and and you, A.J. Minter, he flatters to deceive. He's got all that oomph, and he doesn't have any idea where it's going or he hasn't so far. I think those are wonderful po- points, uh, and they, they do point out the, the problem of the pen. Now, having said that, uh, we've got guys in the pen who can get left-handers out. Uh, and and the three bat three three uh, the three hitter rule is going to impact the lefty specialist. Somebody said today that the lefty specialists were vanishing from the game, and that's a good thing in my opinion. If you can't get more than three guys out, you don't need to be in the game. But that's just that's just old me. The lineup, I think the lineup with Adams in it is is really strong. I ran it down here just today, and and you get down to the eighth place hitter, and you still haven't hit a weak spot in the lineup. And then considering NCRT is going to be hitting in the in the second leadoff position, batting ninth most of the time, you know people complain about NCRT's bat, but if he hits 240 out of the out of the ninth spot, he's better than the pitchers, and he's on base, and he's playing Sterling defense in the outfield, and he'll need that because Ozuna is going to be on his right hand side, and we have to hope this glove really isn't concrete. The catching thing, I think they're allowed to take a three-man taxi squad with them everywhere, and one of those guys has to be a catcher, right. if I'm not mistaken. So That's they'll correct. have a catcher with them all the time. It's not like they would get two catchers injured and not have anybody in town to, for the next game or anything. So yeah, it's I believe just, it would just be during the game, you know. Obviously, you'd have, but that's the same way you play most of the season anyway. But yeah, just during the game, you wouldn't be able to to have that yeah. backup catcher to rely on. I was I was interested to hear people talking about Tookie and how he came back looking better than he'd looked in a long time. For me, I've always liked Tookie's curve. I, you know, I like those big hooks. I like the guy that can, like the Max Freeds, Nicole Hamels, and Hershaws who can sling that hook at you out of there, and he, and you could swing swing at it four times and not hit it. And he's got that kind of pitch, and he throws it a little harder than most. Uh, I'm glad to see him back. I'm hoping he has a good season. I'm hoping Wright actually steps forward this year because I think if he doesn't, he may have a different uniform next year. And the there's there's uh, just there's a lot to like about this group, and the bullpen is pretty strong. So you know, uh, I think we're all, we're probably all right in the East, but I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm guaranteeing anything. But to me, I would I pick the Braves right now, and behind them is either the Mets or the Phillies who can 
whichever team can actually pull it together. And then, you know, after that, it's whoever the Mets or the uh, the Nats or the Phillies, whoever for the third place. So I, I just think it's uh, I think the Braves are really good right now. Now, who if somebody gets sick, if somebody important gets sick, that's a different story. But right now, I kind of like the roster. I don't other than, you know, Matzik, Matzik uh, got rid of the yips, apparently, um, and can pitch again which is great. Uh, I'm not sure Culberson's there for leadership, I assume, because uh, he can't fall down and hit the ground. Um, and uh, But other than that, I kind of like the roster. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to sidetrack for a moment because you said something that caught me off guard, and I, I guess I'm still not used to it yet, but you talked about inter, Ender batting in the ninth spot, and I said to myself, well, where are we hitting the pitcher? But there is no uh, there is no pitcher hitting this year with the the universal DH, and I don't think we really discussed that yet. And even watching the first game tonight, I kept thinking, oh, when's the pitcher spot coming up? Um, you know, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be different. It's gonna be an adjustment. Alan, what are you, what are your overall thoughts on the universal DH this year? And do you think it's here to stay? Well, probably is here to stay because once they get the taste of it and 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 find out that pitchers really can't hit and it improves the offense and that improves the interest in the game perhaps then yeah they, I think it's going to be a, a, a thing from this point on and I'm the get off my lawn kind of guy as far as that goes but I've also known that this has been inevitable for the last couple of years that it was it was going to happen and you've got pitchers who aren't being trained to hit anymore and and coming up in the the colleges and the minor leagues, they just aren't hitting. So it has come to a conclusion, unfortunately, but uh, it's, it's just part of the deal. In, in terms of what the Braves are doing here, the depth of their lineup is such that they can play matchup all day long with this. I went on radio the other day and lampooned uh, Austin Riley a little bit because he still wasn't hitting very well and wasn't looking good at the plate. That day he struck out twice in two plate appearances. And then the next day comes up, comes up against the Marlins and hits two out of the park. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know that that means he's okay now, but it does mean that uh, at any point, if he gets a fat pitch, he, he can uh, certainly do damage. That's the case with Duvall. That's the case with Ozuna. That's the case with Matt Adams. Uh, any of those guys are, are dangerous in that DH spot. Uh, so you you pick whoever you want against the starting pitcher that day. You match them up later in the game if you need to uh, substitute out or, or something. But um, the Braves are really loaded in thumpers. And I think Fred said it earlier, there's just no place to hide here. If you, you get all the way down to Enciarte in the ninth spot even, and and he'll uh, run into one occasionally. So this is a team that's going to score runs. This is a team that's going to, that almost looks like it's built for an American League kind of season here, and, and that's what we've got. But uh, uh, I don't think we lose anything at all this year by having the DH in the for the Atlanta Braves. So I ran down a, a quick lineup here, and you tell me where you, which guy you want to pitch to. Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Ozuna, Adams, Riley, Darno, Swanson, and Ciarte. So, yeah. okay, I, I guess you can get around Ozuna, but Adams is behind him, and, and, and Darno hitting seventh? That's pretty tough. Yeah, no, I think it's a, definitely a deep... 
I think it's a deep lineup, but I, I don't know. I was listening to the John Boy pod, podcast yesterday, and they were doing their season predictions, and they were talking about how weak the Braves lineup is after Freeman. So I don't, I don't know if we're being a little biased or he just doesn't know what he's talking about. But I, I personally, I personally think the lineup hinges on Ozuna. You know, I kind of wrote this the other day. I think there's two people that this Braves season hinges on, and I think offensively it's Ozuna. If he can provide the kind of protection for Freeman that Donaldson did, I think that lineup is going to be one of the best in baseball again. And on the pitching side, I I think it's faulty because I think Soroka and Freed are going to be fine. Um, I think Freed could be even better than fine. Um, But if faulty is not the guy that we know he can be, the guy he was in the second half last year, the guy that he was in game two of the postseason, then I, I think the Braves are in trouble. So, um, Fred, what are your biggest concerns for the Braves? I know, I know you talked about you know how much you love their depth, but um, what are your concerns for for them this season? Okay, my, uh, Mike Voltnevich is a, is a is a is an issue. Okay, and if he if he pitches well, uh, if he pitches well, he's a two um, high three or a two. Um, at, at times he can flash being a one, but mostly he's a high two high three or a two. But if he gets into a funk, uh, like he did the start of the season, then it, it, in this short short season, we're in trouble from him. However, again, I I don't think you know a 60 games. I I think it hurts more in the playoffs than it does in the season for him to be bad like or be be not not himself like that. And they you know Hamels can be back the first of September, and uh, I I don't think that uh, I'm particularly as worried about it as you are now. If Hamels doesn't come back. Then we, you know, yeah, we're going to see, we're going to see guys that out there that we probably don't want to see, Tomlin and Chessin and, and guys like that. But you know, I, I'm, I have confidence in this group of pitchers. I think there's a, there's enough pitching there to do that. Um, the Ozuna thing, I'm with you on. He's not a four-hole hitter. Okay, he's really ideally a five or a six-hole hitter because I'm not sure he's a big game, big bat kind of guy. I know he killed us the postseason. Uh, but I'm looking over. I look over his career, and I don't see him as that guy. Now maybe maybe I'm wrong with that. Uh, but if the the saving grace of that is if if Riley hits and Ozuna doesn't, you can flip them and put them in that place and just let them go. You know, the lineup is you can move these guys around and shuffle them around and get them in the right place at the right time. Right now we're guessing. We don't know how Ozuna's going to hit. We don't know how Darno's going to hit. We don't know how Riley's going to hit. We don't know how Swanson and Ciarte's going to hit. We don't know, but I believe that it's there, and it's just a question of, of Snitker getting them in the right order. Uh, other than that, I'm not worried too much about it because I don't think the bench – I don't think pinch hitters come into play a lot any this this year. I you know I I don't know that Charlie's going to be around when we get down to 26 players. I just don't know that. Uh, and I, they've always sent they've always sent Alonzo out yonder somewhere. So it, it I think the, you know there's enough there's enough talent there to to do it now. Whether it's enough to win everything or not, that's another question. But I'm not worried about the season as, as such. Alan, I know you wrote an article the other day with your three concerns that could doom the Braves this year. Um, so you kind of want to, I guess, go over that. And I know starting pitching is one of the things you mentioned, but uh, what else do you think could uh, hold the Braves back in 2020? Well, the starting pitching was the thing that I was concerned with the most because 
I, I'm not only concerned about Fulte, but I'm also concerned about Sean Newcomb. Uh, both those guys need to have some consistency in their game, and neither one of which have, have been able to show it uh, so far. And that means that that puts that much more pressure on Sorokin and Freed at the top. They can do it, but it's an awful big burden to put on them if the other guys aren't showing up uh, on a day-to-day basis or every five-day basis. Uh, I mean, we, we started back in March and February thinking that uh, Fulte was going to be maybe the fourth guy and, and Sean Newcomb may be fighting it out for the fifth spot with guys like Kyle Wright and, and Felix Hernandez. Now we're talking about Newcomb in the third spot. Fulte's still around the fourth one, and the reason he's – fourth is because he's not pitching that well still so that does mean that there's an issue however in the lineup i do think that the Braves can overcome that because even if you don't have everybody uh uh producing consistently you've got enough depth and enough firepower that you only need a couple of guys hitting consistently I, I think you can overcome bad pitching with the offense, at least until you get to the playoffs, and then we'll have to figure that out. The other things I was concerned with was just the craziness of things that can happen in in a short season, plus the unfairness of the schedule. A lot of that has been mitigated now with this expanded playoffs. When you get, uh, essentially fiat two te- the top two teams in each division into the playoffs, it, it's hard to imagine a scenario where the Braves don't finish in the top two unless somebody gets sick for a while. You've got a lot of things that are going to be magnified because every game is the equivalent of 2.7 games in a 162-game season. So you lose one game, it's kind of like losing a series in, in the total impact. So you can't afford to go on long stretches where you're not winning. But I think this Braves team is well-equipped to avoid that kind of a, a slump. Yeah, I think it's to the point now, and, and I don't think this is be biased at all to say that if the Braves don't make the playoffs, it's a huge disappointment and something's went totally wrong um, with the playoffs being expanded. But like we've talked about, you know, they're a very deep team. Now, some of that depth is a bit of a question mark still, especially in the starting rotation uh, and even in the back half of the lineup. But I think like Fred points out, we all – you know, expect those guys to be good, if not take a step forward uh, and be even more than that. Um, so, you know, I think there's definitely, you know, a reason for optimism for, for Braves fans. And with the expanded postseason, like I said, I, I think something would have to go terribly wrong for the Braves to miss out. Now, uh, saying that, I mean, they are in a, a good division um, and they're playing uh, another good division in the ALE. So, you know, who knows? Um Again, we keep saying, who knows, in a 60-game season, any team could get hot, any team could get terribly cold. And, but I still feel like the, the depth of the Braves, both in the pitching and in the offense, will uh, serve them well and help them get to the postseason. One other thing I, I wanted to to talk about is Austin Riley and I know we've talked about him a little bit but he's going to start the season uh, as the Braves starting third baseman and part of the reason for that's because Johan Camargo is a little banged up but I think this is a huge opportunity for Riley to uh, prove that it's his job um, that he can um, take it and he can hold on to it hopefully for several years to come and 
I know, like Alan was saying earlier, there's games where Riley's going to go up there, he's going to strike out three times, and uh, you're going to be thinking this kid's completely lost, and in the next game he's going to hit a couple of home runs. I just think that's the way his game is going to be. Uh, I wish it was a little more consistent, but especially with him still being young, I think that's that's just what we're going to see out of him. Fred, I guess I'll go to you first. What are your thoughts on Riley starting the season at third base? Do you think he earned the job, or do you think it was because – uh, Camargo's banged up, and do you think he keeps it? I think he keeps it if, if he if he hits. Okay, the, 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 the in this season, the, if you hit, you play. I th- the Braves want Riley to be their third baseman. That's absolutely true, or they would have treated for somebody important. They want Riley to be the third baseman because he's cost-effective one, and because they think he can do it and and be a uh, a uh, Scotty Rowland kind of guy over at third base at, at the plate anyway, uh, and uh, Washington says that he's going to be a, a above average defender at third base, uh, going to be a star at third base. So I trust Ron Washington. He tells me that man's going to play third base well. I believe him. We know Riley can hit. We've heard a lot about him going off and changing his uh, stance a little bit. Seitzer said that uh, last year he was letting his, his bottom half slide out from underneath him. So, so he was swinging when he was off balance. He's not doing that anymore. Um, I think this is Riley's year. I think they want him to have it. I, I think that uh, Camargo is the backup plan. Uh, I don't think that even in a heads-up kind of thing, if they're both hitting, uh, I, I think Riley plays. Uh, I, I, just, I think that's what they want. I think it's the best thing for the Braves because he adds that potential 30-home run pop. He could he can go off on a tear like he did last year and hit 18 game 18 home runs uh, in a, in a, in about the span of this season, which would be a really a, a nice benefit if he runs off 18 20 home runs this season. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you if you if you look at that in that in terms of what the lineup has to do and the way it flips back and forth, uh, he's the ideal kind of piece for that. If he doesn't make it. Then they have to go back and rejig, and you know they have to move Camargo in. They give up a little bit of home run, but they get the defense there, and they got he's got the arm that can do play third. That's fine, and I like Camargo. I think he's I think he's going to be a fine utility player as long as soon as he decides that he can be a utility player. But I I just don't think he's a starting third baseman on a winning team. Um, but I but I love him as a player. I always have. Um, I think Riley earned it. I think that the team decided that if Riley doesn't fall all over himself, he's going to get it until he loses it. Yeah. Alan, what are your thoughts? I, I don't have a lot to add, really. Uh, the fact that uh, Riley is doing the defensive part makes the decision a lot easier. I do think it's also a great problem that the Braves have that they do have two viable choices there. And I failed to mention Camargo as a possible DH option as well. So whether he's coming off the bench to, to be a, a late inning matchup kind of a thumper, or if he's in the lineup to, to give somebody a, a blow someday, it works either way. Atlanta's going to start with 20 straight games without a break. Uh, he's going to be in there and he's going to get some at bats. And I think it, uh, everybody's going to be just fine with it overall. Cause again, this just kind of points out the depth that this, this team has, and it's a great problem to have. And if Riley can choose to, to thump, it's not going to be much stop in this team. Yeah. And I wrote the other day when they, when the news broke about Riley winning the third base job or getting the third base job, you know, that I'm most excited to see him play the position because I've heard good things. You know, Fred mentioned 
Uh, Washington, you know, said he'll be above average. I heard, I've heard Chipper say that he's going to be good there, and Chipper knows a little bit about the position. So I'm excited to see what he does there defensively. Um, he was much better in left field than I thought, at least looking at the analytics of it. Um, you know, so I think maybe he's more athletic than we give him credit for just based on his, his frame. You may not think that, but, uh, he actually, you know, you know, was an above average defender in left field. And I think, you know, he'll be, uh, that same at third base, which is his primary position. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I think, you know, after we know the top three in the lineup with Acuna, Alves and Freeman, you know, we know what they're going to do. Um, but you stick, you know, Zuna Adams and Riley, back to back to back in the middle of that lineup. And, you know, pitchers got to be a little afraid to pitch to those guys. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of swing and miss, but they're also going to run into a lot of home runs right there. So, you know, I think that just makes the lineup that more dangerous um, to have those three big hitters there in the middle of the lineup. So I think that's a good thing. You know, also agree with what Fred's saying. I think that's the guy the Braves want to win that job. And I think that's the guy most Braves fans want to win that job just because the upside is, is so big with him. Uh, so I think he'll get every opportunity to to hold on to that job and uh, this season and, and for you know, the foreseeable future as well. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we got here? That was all I had. I, I don't have anything else. I, I think we've covered everything pretty well here. I'm, I'm just wanting to see the Braves actually play on something I can watch it all and I can see it all. And it's a real game and not them going, hey, you know, we got sites are umpiring back here. I... <laughs> yeah. I'll ask you guys one more thing, and I, I don't think we've touched on this, but do you do you think there will be fans in the stands by the end of the regular season or, or not? No. No. No, because no. okay. it's too soon and there's too many things that's still happening. Uh, some of it's political, some of it's real, uh, but either way, uh, that – Still points to a no. And how do you feel about crowd noise? Being I like it. <laughs> yeah. I don't. <laughs> and, and the reason is because I think it's not dialed in and artificial at all. I will say what I've heard on this ESPN broadcast has been better than what the Braves were doing. So I don't know if the Atlanta just needs to dial that in a little bit better or what. But uh, the the fact that is is that it's fake. Everybody knows it's fake. The players know it's fake. And I don't know that that adds anything except maybe a distraction. And we don't need any distractions in the game. So let's just concentrate on the game and and don't add anything else artificial to it. It's good enough as it is. Yeah, I think the thing is, the whole point of it is for the fans. I don't think it helps the players at all. But if you're, I was sitting uh, watching the Yankee thing tonight and, uh, in the background and I was actually doing something else and listening to it. Cause I can do that with my hearing aid things. And when the second home run, when Hicks, I guess it was hit the home run. No, Hicks Eaton hit his home run. It actually sounded like somebody hit a home run. I had, and then I looked up so well, the ballpark's empty. Uh, so it, it's, it's more for fans. I'm, you know, I'm not saying it's a great thing to do when I've heard about it. I laughed about it, but on the radio, if you're listening to the game on the radio, it's going to be fine. It's, it's watching it on television. We can see that things are empty, and you're going to see a lot of people make fun of that on Twitter and everything. But I think, you know, it's uh, it's an aesthetic. So it's like a laugh track for a, for a TV show. And uh, just the guy pushing the button's got to be good. Yeah, I think it's going to, you know, 
Uh, some teams are going to do it better than others, but I was skeptical at first, you know, kind of like Fred, but I actually really like it. And I listen to a lot of games on the radio and I listen to some of the preseason games or summer camp games. And you would never know that, that fans weren't there because some, some people are doing it, you know, doing it really well. So I like it, like Fred said, from a, a fan's perspective, because I, I like hearing that crowd noise because I do listen to a lot of games on radio or I have games on in the background and I rely kind of on that crowd noise to to run to the TV or uh, to to pay attention more. So uh, I like it. I think it's good for fans. Like Fred said, I think it is strictly for fans, Uh, maybe a little bit for for players, too, just to kind of, you know, just because they're used to it. And, you know, players are so routine in that. But. Uh, I like it. I think it'll be fine. I, I don't like the cardboard cutouts. I think those are, are weird. <laughs> if, if you're going to do them, at least fill up the stadium to just have them like right behind home plate. I think that's just makes it even more weird. I did like what I think it was. Was it Joel Sherman? No, it wasn't. It was um, one of the West Coast writers uh, was suggesting that to do it right in Los Angeles, they had to bring the card, cardboard cutouts in, in the third inning yeah. and then take them out in the seventh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty good. I the cutouts behind home plate. You know, in a way, uh, there's a thing about depth perception when balls are hit off the bat, uh, and uh, if you've got empty seats, uh, the, this I think this playing in empty stadiums gives the Marlins an advantage because they're used to playing in front of empty stadiums. <laughs> Marlins joke about no fans, one thousand and five. Yeah, that's my first one of the year. So hey, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. all right. Uh, Marlins, Rays, pick one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Orioles and Rays, they got no problem with that. And the and, and the Marlins, they are all three in that. I don't know, uh, but I I just I I don't I don't care what they do to make it more better looking for some people. If, if people are talking about it, at least they're watching, and if they're watching, that's a good thing. Okay, I I just think that you know MLB's made a huge mistake by not lifting blackouts completely for this year. Come on, yes. television companies, you're not losing any money on this. Lift the damn blackouts. Let people watch baseball so they can get interested in baseball so they can come back and watch it next year, and then you can do your stupid blackout crap again. But uh, I think that's a huge mistake that baseball has made, and I, I, you know, I blame every commissioner that, that ever approved that. But uh, they're not going to do it, and uh, that's just the way life is. Yeah, baseball is still the only product I know of where they think they can do better by rationing the availability of it. Yeah, no, certainly that's that's something that's got to be addressed and should have been addressed already. It's it's terrible. Uh, I'm fortunate where I live in Birmingham. The only blackout restrictions I have are the Braves, and and I get them on you know local service. But you know there are there are people I know in other states that have four teams blacked out where they live. So, uh, I mean, they're missing, you know, a lot of uh, baseball teams that they can't watch and it's just terrible and it's not helping grow the game. So yeah, I think they, they need to get rid of that, but it's going to be definitely an, an unusual season with no fans. And I kind of agree with both of you. I don't think we're going to see fans again this year at all. So, but, you know, we're having baseball. Like I said, I'm going to take it day by day, enjoy each day that I have, you know, to get to watch it because we've waited so long and who knows when it may come to a screeching halt. Uh, hopefully not. Uh, appreciate you all listening to this uh, episode of the Tomahawk Take podcast. Braves will start action this weekend against the Mets. 
and we'll be back with you next week to kind of wrap up the first week of game so make sure that you subscribe to the tomahawk take podcast and check out the tomahawktake.com site uh, where we produce daily articles and we uh, will talk to you next time This 2020 edition of the Tomahawk Take Podcast has been manufactured without artificial sound effects or preservatives. It is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media, Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are strictly those of the participants, who were all live actors, all rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Whiskey on the Mississippi. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by tomahawktake.com. Thanks for listening, and may your cardboard cutouts look as lifelike as possible. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.